Fill it. First grade. Um, there you go. Miss Helen's got it. We're going to go out to the store to my right, to your left. All right. Uh, the children that are remaining, if you turn over a few pages toward the end of your bulletin, we have sermon notes for kids of all ages. Um, if you're feeling childlike right now, you could do it. There's some cool um, puzzles, and uh, there's something you can color if you have colors. Um, crayons. Who brought their crayons? Anyway, but yeah, use that. It's there. Um, I, we have active listeners, you know. That's okay. If you need to run around and listen, that's fine. Well, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. But uh, you can write on that, so that's good. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to um, Exodus. And I did double check. These are the right notes. Last week, I printed the wrong notes. And, you know, sometimes you have to walk on the tightrope with no net. And, I, you know, it's, you have to do that. I've got a net. I will prefer a net. Uh, and so I have the net. So here we go. Um, but we are, we are looking at Exodus 27. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can look in your bulletin. It's printed for you. Exodus 27, 1 through 19. And um, we're still we're looking. We're in the book of Exodus. And we're still looking at the structure of the tabernacle. Now we're outside the tabernacle looking at the, the, the court, the outer court. And, and the two main features of that court, the, the, the curtain, the wall itself, and the altar. So with that said, let me, let me read and then let's pray and then I'll read. We'll read God's word together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for your word that is, and we know that your word is, is, uh, is a one, is a whole. It's not simply 66 books written by different people, but it's all from you, it's, in, it's in breathed out by you, and that you speak through the prophets and apostles that have um, here in the scriptures. We thank you that over the time that, that the church has, has shown through your spirit that these are from you and true and are consistent in every way. There's no falsehood in it, there's no contradictions in it. And um, that even in the hard places, the difficult places of Scripture, which we struggle to understand, either from our own just um, sinfulness, and that we're limited, we're not, we're not, we're creatures, not the Creator, and also just that some of these things feel so distant from us from thousands of years ago. But we can rightly interpret your Scriptures, even the hard places, using the other places, other Scripture. And, um, and Lord, your spirit's at work, and we need it. So, Lord, um, no one is able in and of themselves to pick up this, this, your word, and understand it in their own ability, their own intellect, their own might. But we thank you that your spirit illuminates this, your word, that you caused men to write um, years and years ago, that we have it here preserved by you, and now... Uh, illuminate it, shine the light uh, of understanding upon it so we may read it, understand it, and, and, and be changed by it. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 27, verse 1. You shall make the altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits broad, and the altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. 
You shall make horns for it on the four corners. Its horn shall be of one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze. You shall make pots for it to receive its ashes, and shovels, and basins, and forks, and firepans. You shall make all the utensils of bronze. You shall also make it make for it a grating, a network of bronze, and on the, the net you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners, and you shall set it under the ledge of the altar so that the net, the net extends halfway down the altar. And you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze, and the poles shall be put through the rings so that the poles are on the two sides of the altar when it is carried. You shall make it hollow with boards, and as, and as it has been shown you on the mountain, so shall it be made." You shall make the court of the tabernacle. On the south side, the court shall have hangings of fine twine linen, a hundred cubits long for one side. Its twenty pillars and their twenty bases shall be of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets, fillets, shall, be, fillets shall be of silver. And likewise, for its length, on the north side, there shall be hangings a hundred cubits long, its pillars twenty, their bases twenty of bronze, but the hooks of the pillars and their fillets shall be of silver. And for the breadth of the court on the west side there shall be hangings for fifty cubits, with ten pillars and ten bases. The breadth of the court on the front to the east shall be fifty cubits. The hangings for the one side of the gate shall be fifteen cubits with their three pillars and three bases. On the other side, the hanging shall be 15 cubits with their three pillars and three bases. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen 20 cubits long of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen, embroidered with needlework. It shall have four pillars and with them four bases. And the pillars around the court shall be filleted with silver and their hooks shall be of silver, and their bases of bronze. The length of the court shall be a hundred cubits, the breadth fifty, and the height five cubits, with the hangings of fine twine linen and bases of bronze. All the utensils and of the tabernacle for every use, and its pegs and all the pegs of the court shall be of bronze. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. If you noticed this morning when you arrived, either through that door or that door there probably, um, the doors were unlocked and there was someone there greeting you, hopefully, and um, you were met with a welcoming, smiling face, and hopefully you were given a bulletin. And if anyone was mean to you, let me know. I don't think that happened, but just in case, just let talk to me about it. But it was a it was e- it was easy access. You just walked in and found a seat and said hello and talked and and it was just uh, it was nice. It was uh, it was a welcoming um, experience. But what if you showed up and there were a tall fence around the sanctuary? And there's a person at a gate, just one gate. And when you arrive, they ask for a resume. How you been doing? That's what they asked. 
You've been sinning? Been getting life right? No? And then, if you answered, you know, they weren't satisfied with your resume, they asked you to purchase a ticket that you had to pay to get in. Would you come back? (laughs) What if every church was like that? That's how it... When we read this, this, these descriptions, again, this is the architecture, but when you think about that, it, it sounds so weird. It sounds so... I don't know, just legalistic. Just, I mean, doesn't it? It seems like, is this... Was this worship? And how, is it, how does it connect to what we do? They put walls around the, the tabernacle. Walls around the place where, you know, where God was to dwell and to be worshipped. Walls, and you could only come in one way, and you had to come and pay a price to get in. Some of the deacons are going, I like that idea. No, anyway, um, let's talk more. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. We're to be cheerful givers. But we read this, it seems so far. A wall around God's house and a payment to get in. How do we make sense of it? Well, let's, I want to look at three things. First, I want us to see the, the one altar in the court of the tabernacle. Secondly, we're going to look at the many offerings of the people. And thirdly, the one offering at the cross. We read this description. There's, you know, you're, maybe you're wondering, like, what's, what are we going to do with this? There's just a lot of, again, like blueprints, materials, instructions. Um, one of the opening questions for our, the opening question for our faith conversations group that meets was, have you ever undertaken a, a you know, an elaborate building or craft project uh, and found, your, you know, how did it go, you know? Like, you know, like how many trips to the to Lowe's did you, or Home Depot, whichever, you, you know. How many trips did you have to make before you were finished? When did you give up? How many tools did you throw? Things like that. Anyway, that's what I think about. I was trying to, this is just a little confession. I was, one time I said, I'm going to remodel a, a bathroom. This is back in Mississippi because we didn't, you know, I thought I could do it because we didn't have any money. It ended up costing more. But anyway, I, uh, at one point Camille's like, Hey, kids, let's go outside. You know, it was just like... That was just a freebie. I don't know where that... That's not really going anywhere. Anyway, uh, that's my... We're going to talk about sacrifices and offerings. That's why I need one. Anyway, but... um, But it's just blueprints and instructions like you would see at a a box you got from Ikea, right? Like, this is how you do it. This is what you need. And this is how it's supposed to be built. And... um, what does it tell us? What, is, what does this tell us about, again, as, as we looked at the tabernacle, what does this tell us about God? And what is it communicating? Well, first, let's look at the altar. That's what we see in these verse, verses um, uh, 1 through 8, the altar. And it says um, that it's to be a, 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 a you know, square, 5 by 5 by 3 cubits. That's 7.5 feet by 7.5 feet and 4.5 feet high. Um, again, it's to have be covered in a precious metal. It's, again, for a holy use. And again, the, as we saw before, the further out we get from the Holy of Holies, the more common, you know, again, precious yet more common, the gold in the Holy of Holies and the silver. And then we have bronze, but still it's, it's of a holy use. Um, so trying to picture it, we see that it's got horns on the corners. 
and you know there's been there's not it's not exact we're not exactly sure what that means that there seems to be as we looked at our, our call to worship it had a practical use that the that they tied down again the, the the sacrifice was dead but they held it in place on the altar they were tied around the 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 horn so maybe it was just purely a practical use but other commentators think it's symbolic um, these horns on the corners um, we read in Le- uh, Leviticus 4-7 that in, in some of the sacrifices that the blood is to be put on the horn. So that's why some folks have thought it's, it's a symbolic. Uh, we read in Revelation of the, the vision of the, the lamb. And he has ten horns. And, and again, and, and the, the dragon that represents Satan has horns. And that, those are to represent power and uh, might and strength. And so, as I've read and, you know, looked at it, I thought, well, maybe it's just, it's talking about, it's, it has a practical use, but also it's, this is the altar that has the power and the strength to bring atonement, right? Put those together. That's what it was for, the, 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 the place of offering. And this altar is perfectly centered as you if you walked into this to the to the to the gate through the screen of the outer court this wall you would walk in and right in the center between you and the tabernacle would be this altar and it's it's not only centered this way from north and south but it's centered direct you know there's equal distance between the the screen of the tabernacle and the screen of the outer court it's right there, centerpiece. There's no way to the tabernacle but through this, past this altar. Um, let's think about the walls for a minute. You had this, again, just the... the the, the, if, you, if you ever looked at some diagrams of this, the dimensions of the tabernacle, it's again twice as long as it is, as it is um, wide. And it's the same for the, for the court. It's the, it's the same dimensions, same ratios. Just the symmetry of it, the perfection of it. Is, is, is beautiful if you're a mathematician and you like neat corners and you know Jimmy likes that right Jimmy can have right angles and good you know it was, it was everything was centered not like this building right it's very different anyway I'm looking straight ahead the door's over there anyway but it's you know this was I love our building anyway so um, this was perfect everything's symmetrical everything's lined up everything's right angles Every, the, the, the outer court Walls were the same, you know, ratio as the as the, the tabernacle. It was just, you know, not all, not everybody else's tent was like that. I'm sure. Maybe there were some picky people out there that had it just right. I don't know, but the, it was just uh, just kind of expanded out from the tabernacle itself, and in a sense, like you zoomed it out, you drew it out, and it was, but it kept the kept the ratio. And again, they were made of this fine twisted linen. It was high enough that you couldn't see over. It, it, you cut off your view of what was going on inside. If you were on the west side or the north side or the south side, you, didn't, you couldn't see what was happening. Um, 
On the east side, there was an entrance, and that, that entrance gate, it was, it was 30 feet wide with, you know, it was 75 feet wide the east, and the same as the west, but in the middle of the east was this, was this gate, and, and it was set apart because it was made of the, the to look just like the, 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 the curtains of the tabernacle with the, the, the red and the blue and the purple yarns, again, very valuable. The whole, the whole uh, court, you know, curtains were not, they were just white or naturally, you know, the natural look of, of, of linen, but these were dyed and were beautiful and expensive, and that was the, the screen by which you entered into this place. So you had this, this altar, and you had this, these, these curtains that made a wall that surrounded the God's house, surrounded the tabernacle, and one way in, and one way through. How could one gain entrance? There's only one way. You had to bring a sacrifice. You had to bring a payment. You had to bring not just a, a money payment, but you had to bring either a grain offering or an animal offering. We're going to get look at the different offerings here in a minute, but you had to bring something to offer. You had to bring something to sacrifice. And if you brought a sacrifice, whether it was for a guilt offering, a sin offering, a peace offering, the animal was brought and killed on the north side, outside the, the court, the courtyard, killed and then brought in. And the head of the household would bring that animal with the priests and approach the altar. That was the only way in. Again, that we read that, we go... That seems strange. That seems barbaric. It seems, I don't know, legalistic. It seems like why, why this, this distance? Why this, these walls? Why, why the, the payment to enter? But it wasn't just one payment. It wasn't just one type of offering. I'm going to look at that next. You know, we, we set the scene up and we just described the, you know, how it looked and what was there. But what happened in there? That's important, I think. What happened in there? If you look, if you flip ahead to Leviticus, you'll read in chapters 1 through 7 all the different types of offerings that were brought and put upon this, this altar. And um, some people break it down into five, uh, five different types. I, I, I found one, that I think, um, if you read your ESV, it has it broken down into five, but I think four covers it. Uh, the sin offering, the burnt offering, I'll talk about in a minute. They're very similar. But there's four main types of offerings. One is the burnt offering. And this is the one where, you know, someone would bring and it would, the whole animal would be killed and the whole animal um, after it was cleaned, would be put, and it was totally devoted to the Lord. It was completely consumed on the altar. And um, we're going to read as we keep going that on, in Exodus 29, you'll see that, um, that he instructs, he will instruct the priest to, to put uh, two lambs uh, every day. Morning and evening would be devoted for this burnt offering to the Lord. And the burnt offering recognized what? It recognized the need of propitiation. The need of a sacrifice that satisfies God's wrath. 
And it was just, for the, for the priests, it was just on automatic. You did it at least twice a day for all the people. It was perpetual. Um, one, one pastor said the burnt offerings were the propitiatory sacrifices in ancient Israel. For God to maintain His justice, He must punish sin. To forgive at the expense of His just wrath would be inconsistent with His character. According to His holiness, those who have sinned must die. And that's what it represented. That's what you, 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 when you walked in with that and you devoted that, that burnt offering, it was sin deserves death. And I need, and I need, if I'm going to survive, there has to be a, a substitute. Something has to die. Someone, someone has to die for my sin. And that was a perpetual thing. Even if a, a, a person, individual didn't bring it, there was always two every day for this, the sins of the need of, 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 of redemption for all of his people. There's also a grain offering. We don't talk much about that. Think about that. You could bring either grain or you could bring a, a baked, baked loaf. And that was a, 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 an offering of thanksgiving. Recognizing God's mercies. You would bring unleavened bread or you would bring grain that was provided by God. And it was a, a, a way of showing thanks to the one who, who has made provision and shown mercy to you. The third type of offering was a peace offering. And this was a voluntary one. This is one where you could, you could bring it and if, it was a way to show your, the overflow of your heart and appreciation for God. And, and part of this offering was interesting... The whole offering wasn't given over to the priest or wasn't all put on the altar, but the person bringing it got to take some back with them. And I'm convinced that it's, it's a picture of, and it points to that, that meal that the elders had at the foot of the mountain. Where the, there is this, this reality of there's a covenant and there's community and there's fellowship between God and His people. And so you would bring this as an act of worship and you're, you're, cel- you're celebrating that there's peace between you and God. But again, that peace, that reconciliation required what? A sacrifice. And part of it was put on the altar. The priest would have some and the worshiper, the, the Israelite who brought it, would, would take some home and they would consume it that day together. Consume it near the vicinity of the, of the sanctuary. And then finally there's a sin offering. And these are for, get this, these are for sins that, and there's a like, if you read, there's two chapters of different sin offerings and they're all different types of ways you might have sinned unintentionally. It wasn't just, hey, you know you did something wrong, bring an offering. But just recognize, there's stuff you're doing, you're breaking, you're breaking uh, your word, you're, you know, you, you're, you're touching things that are, you know, that are unholy. There's all these lists of things you might do that you don't even mean to do. And that, that was there, that was recognized. And, and even, even here, that sin isn't just outward acts of commission, like I'm going to cross this line, but just things you fail to do, things you accidentally tell a lie, accidentally uh, break confidence, ac- accidentally touch something unholy. Accident- again, 
There was another, there was a category for that, unintentional sins. Even those demanded a sacrifice, an offering. And this, uh, this was uh, not so much about turning away wrath, but the need of, of individual purification. I need to be cleansed of the guilt of this sin. I need to be purified. I need to be washed and made clean. And that's what this, this offering symbolized. And, the, and the, all these were brought in these different ways, these different um, expressions of, of sacrifice over and over and over and daily. And again, I've said like, you, you read this and it's so foreign to us, we go, is this, how is this the same... Where is the gospel in this? <laughs> These people, like, again, didn't, I, did some people start running out of livestock? Yeah, because there's, <laughs> there's actually, like, if you can't, if you don't have a lamb, you can bring a goat. If you don't have a goat, you can bring, there's different categories. You bring what you got. I'm not going to go in and read all of that, but, you know, some people didn't have a, a bull to sacrifice, so they brought a goat. Some people didn't have a goat, so they brought something else. And, you know, but again, it had to be pure. Spotless. And you see how when people look at the Old Testament, they think, oh, this, this is just when God was... This is all about works. This is all about doing the things, right? Some people read the Old Testament. And then somehow when, you know, in the New Testament, God changed His mind. It's like, now it's grace. But I'm telling you, and we're convinced as, as Reformed Christians that what? This is, this is grace here. Where is it? That you can't even enter in, come near the tabernacle of God's house without a payment. Well, here it is. Um, Do you remember, and some of the kids might remember this, do you remember the first time you bought a gift for your parents? You remember that? As a kid. You remember doing that? So cool, right? I remember that. I remember, uh, you know... My brother and I, we wanted to buy something for Christmas for my parents. You know, we were old enough to walk around the mall by ourselves. You know, we were in our 20s. No, I'm joking. Anyway, uh, I was like 12. He was 10 or 11 or 9 or something like that, and, or 13. So, we, you know, we went and bought something. We got my mom. I remember what we got. I think she still has it. It was, it was, it was wine glasses. I don't know why I picked that. Anyway, but it had, it had Christmas trees on it, and I, I got that. But you know what I remember is that, as, as, you know, as someone that young, guess what? I didn't have a job. Right? So here I'm bringing this present, but where did the money come from? It came from your parents. Your first gift you bought for your parents was with money they gave you, more than likely. Some of you had a paper out, great. Some of you have been working since you were six. That's great. I don't know. Child labor laws have changed. So anyway, but you made this gift, but it was with something that, that your parent gave you. And you see, that's what's happening here. This isn't, you better, give, you better pay. God goes, I'm going to provide. Where do those lambs come from? Where do the sheep come from? Where do the grain come from? It came from God. I require, sin requires punishment. Guilt requires death. Someone has to pay. But you can draw near to me through a substitutionary 
sacrifice that, guess what? I'm going to give you. You see the gospel now? Every day. That's what happened. Not, what do I got to do to get near God? What do I got to do to pay Him? God says, I've given you the means to draw near to me. But it's a price. But I'm going to give you what what you need to pay the price. Every day. Every day. That's always before them. Now, did they feel sometimes like, man, I don't want to give up that lamb, or I I want that goat, that's my favorite goat. I don't know if they had favorite goats. I'm just... But they didn't get it. They 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 left Egypt as slaves, but left with all kind of gold and silver and bronze that they've used to make the tabernacle, and with all kind of flocks and animals and They left rich because of God's provision. They left with what He had given them. Yahweh provided the sacrifice and the altar for His people. It's all grace. And that brings us to my last point. We looked at uh, this, the, we looked at the, 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 these walls and this, and this altar. We've looked at the many offerings they bring. But now I want you to f- focus on the one offering at the cross. This is why we don't have to keep doing this. This is why there's no fence around the sanctuary. This is why there's no uh, bouncer at the gate. This is why there's no request or demand for a resume. Why there's no ticket or payment to be made. Why you don't have to bring an animal and sacrifice it on the north side, which is... There, we're working on improving that entrance. And I was just thinking, it would be a lot. It could be a lot worse. You know, just as I was reading this, that could look a lot worse and less inviting if this was still in place. But it's not. Okay. Why? Because why? This is you saw it coming. It's just not that hard if you're, but it's good, right? It, it's because the atoning sacrifice was offered up, and not just outside the court of the temple or of the tabernacle, but outside the city walls, even further out, further alienated, further condemned, and he was and he was nailed to a cross. And that that one sacrifice, the sacrifice not of a blood of bulls and goats, as we read in the in the. Beginning at the at, you know from from uh, Hebrews twelve, it, it's not it's it's a better sacrifice than that, a much better. We have a a new and living way that's been opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full in full assurance of faith. The one sacrifice has come. The sacrifice that has brought about all the things that all the other sacrifices, all the other offerings say we need. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we have propitiation. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we have merciful provision, like the grain offering. Through, through Jesus' sacrifice, we have fellowship and communion, peace with God. And through His sacrifice, we are purified, washed clean by His blood. All those things, all the various offerings, the four types are all answered and fulfilled completely and fully in 
the cross in Jesus' sacrifice. So there's no more need for blood on the altar. Because as we just read, it says, we draw near in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And now we can hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. It's finished, He said. It's finished. And no more is there a wall of separation. You know, as they built the the, the temple, it wasn't just one wall, there were three walls. It wasn't just a place for the, for the head of the household to come in, but there's another wall for the, where the women could come and come no further. And then there's another outer court for the Gentiles. And that's where Jesus, you know, where you learned how, learned this, we learned He could braid a whip. Remember that? And that Jesus could, could act in righteous anger. Not sinful anger, but righteous anger. And turn over tables. That was the Gentile court. But then there was two other courts before you got to the inner place, the holy place. But Paul says this, he says in Ephesians 2, 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off on the other side of the wall, I added that part, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility there's no more wall there's no more alt- altar there's no more sacrifices to bring the one sacrifice has been made the one that's once and for all We see in this text, we see, and the, and the Israelites could see as this was constructed and built, the reality of separation and, the, and their desperate need of atonement. It was clearly portrayed in this altar and in this walled court. But God provides the means for reconciliation. God provides the means of redemption. Symbolically, in their wilderness wandering, but fully and completely in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need an altar. We need the cross. We have it. No more hostility. There's peace. No more sacrifice. God has provided the sacrifice, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this, your word. And we thank you that, just like then, you provide what we need. We need redemption, you provide it. We need a sacrifice, a substitute, and you have provided it by coming yourself humbling yourself, taking the form of a servant and succumbing to death, even death on a cross. Thank you for being our greater sacrifice, our greater, the greater altar, and doing away with the walls, doing away with the screen and the veil, and drawing us in. 
Help us to not lose sight of what your sacrifice, your atoning sacrifice accomplished. Let us be in awe of it. Let us, let us be so thankful for it. And help us to see that the beauty and more the beauty of your sacrifice on the cross as we behold the beauty of this these offerings, this tabernacle, and what it showed, that you are a God who makes a way, makes a way for sinners. And so, Lord, bless us now as we as redeemed sinners draw near to the table, um, drive home what we've heard in your word through this sacrament. May, it, may we, this word and this reality be real to us, as real as this bread and the fruit of the vine is. And Lord, um, give us assurance through this meal as brothers and sisters in Christ that you have done the work of redemption. Your sacrifice is enough. And let us go out encouraged, emboldened, and thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.